listening to the Taming Crazy podcast with Alicia, Deb, and Sue, where each week we'll share our views from the middle. We're talking the ups, the downs, and everything in between of being a midlife woman in today's world. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Just gonna adjust my headphones. I think my husband's had them on. He's got a massive head compared to mine. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Louis got a pinhead because these are tight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll oh. blame it on his head, not mine. Well, of course, it couldn't be that you have a bigger head, Sue. No, no, <laughs> fat head. <laughs> I was trying to be nice and not say that. <laughs> not say fat head. <laughs> It's all right. I said it. He's a pinhead. I'm a fat head. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Let's begin. Welcome to the Taming Crazy podcast. I'm Alicia and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Deb and Sue. Hello. Hi there. Oh, she's changing it up. <laughs> oh gosh. So how are, you <laughs> how are you both doing today? You know, the whole coronavirus thing's a bit of a a worry. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know, we're recording this on a Thursday night and the news has been changing like by the hour this week. So mm-hmm. when this airs on Tuesday morning, we can be certain that things will already have changed. And I don't think it's going to be improved at all, which is why tonight's topic, I think, is kind of important. And we're going to talk about self-care. I think self-care means something different to everyone. So when I say self-care, what does that mean to you? Well, I think for me, self-care has changed so much over the years. And at this point in my life, I feel self-care is prioritizing my health, managing any sort of stress in my life and getting lots of sleep. Those are my probably my self-care goals eating well and most of the time exercising having relaxation but I think mentally my biggest self-care my newest self-care over the years is just being able to say no I've learned so much from being able to say no you know from years past can you give me some lessons in that please (laughs) (laughs) and as you say it does change right over the years it does Sue how about you Obviously, you need some help in the no section, but what what does self-help mean to you? I yes. mean, self-care. Yeah. I said self-help. Maybe that was self-help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back well, to self-care. Well, you know, strangely enough, I think a few years ago it was. Yeah. A few years ago it was self-help. Yeah. You know, you would, you would read the books and um, the power of positive thinking was a, a big favorite for me for many years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah. God, yeah, I donated that in the end. It was like, yeah, it's not really helping anything, is it? So I think it is now being aware that I need to look after myself so that I can kind of do all the other things that need to be done. Whereas, you know, in the past it was like, oh, you know, I need to make time to have a long hot bath and this and that. And now that's not so important. It's like Deb said, it's making sure that I'm eating better and attempting to do some exercise and you know having a good laugh I mean for me that's a really big part of self-care I think yeah yeah that's important finding humor in things where you know you don't think of that as a part of self-care but it is important I I know that always makes me feel better Mm -hmm. yeah and I have a tendency to laugh at things that I really shouldn't yeah so (laughs) 
that sometimes can be a problem. Yes. But, you know, having that humour sometimes when I'm beginning to feel a bit low or tired or whatever just kind of helps and kind of can get me over that hump a little bit. I was actually looking up the definition of what self-care really is. And according to the World Health Organization, it's the activities individuals, families and communities undertake with the intention of enhancing health, preventing disease, limiting illness and restoring health. So I think everything that you guys have mentioned actually fits into that. It does sound boring though, doesn't it? Well, it kind of does. And that definition was created in in the 1980s, so it's kind of changed a little bit. But do you think self-care has been spun into this marketing machine for the wellness industry? Yes. I think definitely, yes. The reason I asked that question is because we used to get a massage because it felt good or maybe get the knots out of your shoulders. Although I'm always like more stressed coming out of a massage than I go in. But anyway, (laughs) that's another story. But now you see massages advertised as something to release toxins or boost your immune system. And even pedicures have now come with the additional foot baths to release toxins. And so everything is kind of part of that wellness marketing machine now. And it's obviously working because people are spending millions on all of these new things. Yet it's not a new thing. It's just the marketing that they use to advertise them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's part of, you know, because a lot of it is crap. I'm sorry if I upset Eddie by saying that, but it, it really, really is a load of mm-hmm. crap. Yes. And if something feels good, then do it and enjoy it. But don't get sucked into the belief that paying three times the going rate is going to have any more effects and release any more toxins because it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything they're selling is to make you feel like you should be doing that for your health. You know, and it's the same issue I have with the cleanses and or the detox, like detox is a really big Mm -hmm. selling kind of thing right now. I think what we think of as self-care is actually what psychologists call self-soothing. Now, I have heard of self-soothing before, but I actually didn't realize what it was. And for me, self-soothing is like chocolate. Um, (laughs) That used to be my answer for everything. You know, if I didn't feel really that great, I would eat chocolate, thinking that was part of self-care. But it actually is just called self-soothing. Anyway, I wanted to know the difference between self-care and self-soothing, because maybe many of us don't actually know how they differ. So self-soothing is defined as activities that can provide distraction or comfort in the moment. So that's things like bubble baths and binge watching Netflix and manicures and all of that kind of thing. And I mean, they are important. They make us feel good in the moment, but they're not self-care. And self-care is defined as activities that support well-being and can easily add to the six fundamental facets of self-care. Of course, then I had to go down the rabbit hole of what are those six things they're talking about? (laughs) Share your knowledge. (laughs) Tell me what those are. Actually, they make complete sense. The first one is physical self-care, which, of course, is exercise, eating well, sleep, you know, looking after your health. Second is emotional self-care. And that's learning to feel, identify and accept your emotions in order to heal and create balance. And that is something I've been really working on over the last few years. Number three is spiritual self-care. And this can be anything in your life that gives you deeper meaning. 
and purpose. So it can be religion for some, it can be nature, or it could be just a calling. Number four is intellectual self-care. And this can be pursuing ideas, critical thinking, fostering creativity. It's about learning and growing. Number five is social self-care. Maintaining friendships, strengthening family relationships, letting go of toxic people, respecting yourself enough to surround yourself with people who respect you. And lastly, number six is safety and security self-care. And that is taking care of your financial situation, creating a safe home environment. So everything that you do that's self-care should fit under those six headings. Does that make sense? It does. The self-soothing thing is very interesting because it's something that babies start to do very early on. And we learn to self-soothe by being soothed. So, you know, sort of it's that gentle voices, being wrapped up in a cosy blanket. And if you think about it, those are all things that a lot of us carry into our adult lives. Like I wasn't feeling great the other night and I went and got a blanket and wrapped myself up. And I, it just, it helped me feel better a little bit. And, you know, so self-soothing is something that we learn right from the get-go, just because, you know, it's part of our growth development. But self-care isn't like that. Self-care is something you actually have to make an effort to learn. Yeah, I found that very interesting, too, because I think if you ask a lot of people and what self-care is, I think they will tell you all the things that come under the self-soothing umbrella. Mm -hmm. It's having a bubble bath a nice cup of tea, like we like to do, ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, tea? <laughs> did, someone, <laughs> did someone say tea? Kettle. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping yourself under a blanket and watching Netflix. You know, there's something really nice about that. Mm-hmm. But it is, Sue, like you said, it's self-soothing in the moment, looking after, you know, yourself in that moment to make you feel better. But it isn't part of overall self-care. I really found that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, thinking about it, I wouldn't think about that as self-care apart from in the fact that I recognised that I needed to do something. So I suppose from that perspective, you know, there is that crossover in kind of knowing and acknowledging and doing something about it rather than kind of pushing past it. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what you learn as you get older. You know, when you are younger and your kids are younger and you've got so much going on, you do tend to push through all of those things and just forget and you just collapse in a heap at the end of the night and go, right, I'm done. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Being uh, able to identify the, what you need at that time, right? You know, that's yeah. that's important, I guess. It is. And, you know, I was looking at examples. I've been learning and growing through meditation. And I thought, okay, well, what does that fit under? And I think, okay, well, that fits under the emotional and the spiritual self-care. And the fact that I like to have sit down and read something and find out new things, and that fits under the intellectual. So it's all the things that we do to protect ourselves or to change something in our life that enhances those different sections of self-care. Even doing our taxes, which is coming up. Shudder. But that actually fits under the safety and security self-care. You know, you're looking after your finances. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I would not think of doing my taxes as being (laughs) self-care. You know, when you think about it that way, it's like, actually, no, it does make sense because it's doing something. It's making sure it's done so that you don't have that added concern and worry about it. Thinking, oh my God, I need to do it. I haven't done it. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So everything that you do now, if you think of it as self-care, maybe it's a little bit easier to do. Yes. I'm struggling with the idea of work as being self-care. <laughs> 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 Although it's not definition, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm struggling with Sorry, the creativity. Oh. I struggle with that one. I'm not very creative. You are, but in different ways. You're creative ways. because you decorate your house with twigs. That's creativity, <laughs> Very tastefully, Deb. yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I think I need you to come and do mine, <laughs> actually. But that is a form of creativity, like decorating is creativity. Mm -hmm. So when... That's true. You know, when, so when you say you're not creative, you are in a different way. So creativity comes in a lot of forms, Deb, so... That's true. Yeah. Doesn't that make See? you feel better? It makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking all the boxes for my list of six here and I'm doing good. Yes. So self-care is basically everything that you do that leaves you feeling restored, re-energized and nourished in some way. And the one thing about self-care is that it should never leave you feeling guilty or ashamed. And I think this is a tough one for many mums, because I know mm -hmm. I struggled with this in my 30s and 40s, because like many women, I put myself last always. Yeah. You know, that's what we do. We put everybody first and quite often we fall into bed at night, like exhausted and depleted. Mm -hmm. I was so guilty of this and you did the same thing, right? Yeah, it's only taken me this last little while for me to not feel guilty and understand it's not selfish. But my kids have also grown up and left the house, so it's made it easier. But if I still have kids at home, you know, Sue, like yourself, I think it, I'd still find lots of guilt in taking time for myself. Yeah, and I must admit that's something that I kind of fight with. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think, oh no, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And I find the time that I feel most guilty is when I'm sitting and reading a book. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, sh I should be doing something more useful mm -hmm. as, you know, there can be absolute chaos around me and I'm just sitting there reading a book. <laughs> I, I <laughs> totally it, get that. You know, but now I'm like, no, I'm going to sit here and read my book because my time doing this is just as valuable as anything else. Yes. I've always struggled with that one, Sue. I actually wrote that in my book about always feeling like I was lazy if I yes. took time to read. It was a huge struggle for me because it looked like something that was very self-indulgent, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's when your kids have grown up and can look after themselves to a great degree that we realize we should have put ourselves first all along. Prioritizing our emotional, mental and physical well-being would have made it easier to give our whole selves to our family. It's that oxygen mask metaphor, right? When you put it yeah. on yourself first before you help others or, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I'm not yeah. sure why I'm a really, really slow learner, or maybe that's just what we do as women. But I think it and comes I, with self-awareness. Yeah, know? and it's something that we weren't given permission to do. No. Like, mm -hmm. you know, growing up, my mum would never, well, she still wouldn't sit down and read a book. You know, she'll sit and watch Netflix now, but it's taken her a long time to get to that stage. You know, she was always up, she was always doing something. Yeah. And so growing up, you know, that was what was modelled to me. That's what a mum does. They're always busy. They're always doing things. And, you know, I would hear about my friends taking their kids here, there and everywhere and doing this, that and the other. And I was just like, I'm too tired to do that. I, I can't give what I haven't got. And mm -hmm. so now when, when I'm working with the parents, 
you know, it's something that we kind of say to them over and over again, be kind to yourself, give yourself time, you need to relax. And it is kind of that giving the mission that we didn't have. So I'm hoping that, you know, future generations, you know, like we keep talking about, that this is something that they're better at doing. I don't exactly. think my kids will have a problem with it at all. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we are a generation of women that have worked full time and raised families and try to do all of the things. And, you know, they used to say you can have it all. But at what cost was that? Yeah. But I don't know if that's come with age realizing all of these things because I know in the stages when my husband was working out of town quite a bit and I was working full-time and I had two boys in hockey I don't think I gave myself any thought whatsoever like sometimes I don't think I had time to have a shower let alone have self-care yeah I see it in you know my daughter's family I see that she is learned well a lot younger than what I have because I I do I also do tell her she needs time to herself or she needs this and that, a mental day. And so I do know that she is realizing she does need it. Her husband needs it. And last week, her little, you know, little boy was having a really rough week and not feeling great. And, and she gave him a day off school and told him, you know, this is a mental health day for yourself. No reasons, nothing. He just needed that day off school. I, I would never have thought of that. <laughs> Good for her. Mm -hmm. My boys took time off for themselves, but I don't think it's the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my kids, you know, fake being sick just to stay home. So so I'm hoping that the generations are changing and realizing that they do need time and even their kids need a mental break sometimes. And I, I must admit, I'm very lucky. I have a boss who's very, very supportive. And she's like, if, if you need, you know, she's like, don't tell me you've got an upset stomach. If it's a mental health day, then that's fine. She's mm-hmm. like, I will support you in that. And that was really, really important to hear because most of the time it's like, no, you're good. Just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And it's like, no, sometimes like your daughter did with, you know, the little guy, you need that day. You know, being in school is tough. It is tough. And and with all the activities you do after school, I mean, it can get exhausting for them mentally and physically. Yeah. And as a parent, you've got to support that as well. And, you know, it goes back to what we were saying before, you know, you can get so caught up in making sure that your kids are okay and that there's food on the table and that the house is clean. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that partners don't do anything because they do do a lot. But as the mum, I think you you carry a lot more of that weight. Yes. Or you feel as if you should carry it, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Well, and I think we carry guilt. I think women carry the guilt because I know my husband thinks nothing of taking some time for himself. You know, he's never felt guilty about that. He knows how important it is. You know, I wish women had that kind of switch in them because I Mm -hmm. don't think many of us do. So what we're saying is this is your permission to take the time for yourself and do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's my message. I will be (laughs) campaigning on that. (laughs) Yes. The part of self-care that I've been working on for the past several years is definitely the emotional self-care, although I now see it more like self-preservation because seeing certain things on the news or social media can have a huge effect on me. 
So after working on self-awareness, I now know when to turn off the news and I mute words on social media that I know will have an effect on me because I'm very aware of my emotions. And since emotions affect me physically, I'm a big believer in self-preservation. Is there a part of the self-care that you need to focus on more, do you think? You know, it probably would be the emotional and possibly the spiritual, because I think, you know, the, the two are pretty well tied together. Not in a religious sense. Right. Yeah, that kind of accepting that it's okay to feel the way that I feel. And I am so much better at that than I used to be. Because if I was having a bad day, then, you know, I'd beat myself up about it. Now I kind of say, oh, that that was a crappy day. Let's hope it ends soon. (laughs) Yes. And let's hope tomorrow will be brighter. But saying that, I do think that that one is probably the most difficult of them all. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, again, it's not something we did. Like, Mm -hmm. I've heard over the years how emotional women are. But quite frankly, I've seen women hide their emotions better than anything else. Because it's not acceptable to do. Because if you show this emotion, then, you know, you're being over-emotional and, you know, it's unbalanced and out of control. Hiding our emotions to our detriment, really. Yeah. And like, there's no such thing as a bad emotion. All emotions are fine. It's how you deal with them and accept them that's the issue. Which again, Sue, when nobody ever teaches us what to do about that. No. I've learned so much about the emotional part of it all. The rest of them are things that you outwardly do, like the physical and not the intellectual, I suppose. But I mean, a lot of us do that anyway. It's usually part of our job. The social self-care, you know, the maintaining friendships outside and the safety and security. But it's the emotional and the spiritual, I think, that we need to work on because I think those are the ones that put us out of balance the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're so tied to the social as well. Yes, you know, I suppose thinking about it, it's, they all do go together. They're all very closely interwoven. But, you know, it's quite interesting now to kind of think about them separately and how they all tie together. And yes, I might take a look at that later. <laughs> it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, like, just kind of identify them. Yes. How about you, Deb? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I would really love to look at these and analyse them myself too, because now it's really tweaked my, <laughs> my mind. But, um... I grew up, I think, to be a people pleaser, you know, so I was always that person. And a lot of times your decisions when you're a people person aren't the decisions you'd really make. And so, you know, and when I started to say no or speak my mind, I think I just became a different person. And so emotionally that way, I'd I'd love to grow further on that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, actually. I remember... (laughs) Years ago, it was one of the uh, the first counselling sessions I had when I was diagnosed with situational depression. Mm-hmm. And so the therapist said, so would you say that you're a people pleaser? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of went really quiet. I was like, no, no, I'm not. And then I was like, oh, my God, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, all my life. And, yes. You know, it was it was done for the right reasons. You know what it's like, you kind of do it because you think it's the right reason at the time. Yeah. But what detriment did that have to me? And that was kind of what he was trying to get me to to look at. And he said, can you be a rebel? Can you not do things to please people? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was like such a shock to have somebody say, well, you know, you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, well, I've had 40 odd years of doing it. Why wouldn't I continue? It's a hard lesson to understand and to make and switch. 
I found once I did, just internally, you know, I felt so much better. I, I wasn't yeah. having those nervous stomach aches because I might be upsetting somebody. Maybe yeah. it's midlife too and I don't give a damn, but that does help. Yeah. <laughs> well, I problem. think it is tied to midlife. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, you know, the more women I speak to, it's like, yeah, I, I really don't care anymore what they think. And yeah. I remember the first time sort of like I, I did start rebelling and it was, you know, little tiny things. But it was like, it was, it was quite good, doesn't it? It was, it was quite a relief. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think it's part of self-respect. When you yeah. say no, you're, you're respecting yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really considered myself a people pleaser. You know, it used to be where you wanted everybody to like you. So, mm-hmm. you know, you said and did things that you thought were something that they would like. But when you realize what makes you happy and you do stuff that you enjoy, you actually attract the right people instead of like everybody. And it's yeah. really difficult at first because you really want to be the nice person. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if I've ever been the nice person, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. Oh, it's funny because I remember somebody saying to me once, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about you. Everyone likes you. I'm like, really? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then I thought, oh, my God, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, God, how saccharine sweet must I have been? I'm a and rebel, it, damn it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, darn it, I'm going to have to do something about this. And, you know, I kind of fell into midlife. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I've kind of, my filter dropped off and... Once the filter drops off, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Well, I was able to kind of keep it in place for a while. I mean, it was duct taped. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, there's not even any point. If we bring it back to self-care, we have to think beyond the bubble baths and the cups of tea, which, of course, we're still going to enjoy. Mm -hmm. But lately, I have been working on the close, intimate relationship that I have with my Fitbit. And since we talked about increasing our physical fitness on one of our podcast episodes, I've actually lost five pounds since that one. Excellent. Sue, how are you doing with your physical activity? I did lose six centimetres. Excellent. Which was quite the shock, really. And (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God, that could be a waste one day. Yeah, towards the end of it, actually, sort of as we spoke about the other week, my hormones have been completely out of whack. And one of the things has been joint pain. Mm. And so, you know, kind of did talk about, you know, it it doesn't have to be like this and the physical activity will help. It was actually at the stage where it was too painful to to do anything. But now that Mm. I seem to be getting back on track, I am going to get back in touch and sign up for another one and go back to the yoga. Because the strangest thing, I think, was that day when I felt so restless and I didn't know what to do with myself. And so normally I would just kind of annoy everybody by being restless. And I actually worked out and that was quite helpful. Who are you, Sue? I know. It was a very, very (laughs) scary experience. (laughs) But you felt good afterwards. I did. And and that was the thing. It was, you know, I would make time. And strangely enough, I would come in through the front door and I might say to my husband, can you get dinner sorted? Because I'm going to go and work out now. And I'm like, look at me doing self-care things. That's awesome. That is yeah. Excellent. So I do need to get back to that. Yeah. Now that the knees don't feel like they're about three times as old as I am. Yeah. 
I know. I, I told Jay the other day that I probably need a knee replacement, although he he knows that I like to blow things way out of proportion. So he just kind of <laughs> just shrugged and kind of moved on, which was kind of upsetting. But but yeah, I have a little bit more joint pain in my knee, but I think it's because of my obsession with Fitbit. I need to get my steps in. So I'm running around the kitchen island. <laughs> I need to change it up a little bit, I think. <laughs> We're going to see you on an on intervention show pretty quick here. I, I know, I know. My obsessiveness is, is a little out of control. But I was Deb, talking to somebody else and she was saying she does exactly the same thing. She said yeah. it beeps, she moves. Yes, yeah. yes. It vibrates my wrist and I get up and I have to get in 250 yep. steps. It's really, really motivated me and I didn't think it would, but it has actually changed everything for me. Because as I said before, once I'm on the computer, I can be there for hours not moving. Now my wrist buzzes and I get up and I move. Mm-hmm. So Deb, you don't need any motivation to work out. We know that. But how are you doing with it? Well, I wouldn't say I've lost weight, but I did buy a new jacket and I I brought it home and I put it on and that night we went out and I I ripped the shoulders. So I will say I've been lifting weights heavy and I think my shoulders have grown. (laughs) Oh, you did the Hulk thing. I did the Hulk (gasps) thing. Oh, and Deb did the Hulk. Like a boyfriend. (laughs) Yes, that's never happened before, but... I, I didn't know what to think. It shocked me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've got a sew job to do because I can't return it, of course. It's brand new. So, but it's my thing. I like to do it. It makes me feel good. So, yeah. yeah. I, so you've been working on the weights. I did change up a little bit. I'm not doing the treadmill anymore. So I do three days a week of the heavy weights and I do two of the HIT, you know, the high intensity interval training. And then I definitely take Saturday and Sunday off now with no guilt. Good, good. Because I know that was a big issue for you is taking time off, right? Yes. So yeah, everything's going good. Look at the three of us. I know. In our own little ways, we've, we've made differences. Yeah. Yeah. Giant steps. Giant steps, <laughs> exactly. Or me, it's like bouncy steps around the kitchen island. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, what do you call it again? What is that woman that she gallops? Oh, oh the prancercising. <laughs> I'm prancercising around the kitchen island. That's what I'm doing. Oh my gosh. And you wonder why you've got a sore knee. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You just need swap legs. <laughs> Change direction more often, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. So there's another aspect to self-care that I wanted your opinion on because I found it really interesting. And there was an article in the Elephant Journal from a woman who was having a difficult time. Now, I don't know what the details were because she didn't go into it, but she turned to an online forum looking for help. And the advice she kept getting was to focus on self-care, which, of course, is something that we're often told. And I've said it to people myself. Anyway, the author of the article is a yoga teacher. She looks after herself, is generally healthy. She takes regular massages, manicures as weekly house cleaner, brings in a chef occasionally. I want to do that. I know, right? 
she actually sees a therapist often when she thinks that she needs to go. So she felt that she had everything necessary for self-care. So what she wanted to understand is what she was missing. And what she realized was that what she was missing was connection. She was already doing all the right things to take care of her well-being. But what she was missing was a sense of belonging that can only come from community. She was missing the compassion, understanding, unconditional love and support that only comes from other people. And I think her message is important because we can't self-care ourselves enough to replace what other people can give us. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that's like I've spoken about this before when I was doing my research. That was something that was huge is having a community of support around you. And that can be a support that provides emotional support or it can be social support or it can be both. And everyone I spoke to talked about how important that was to them. And that, you know, that was one of my key findings that, you know, we, we do need to have people and the community. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, do find that having that online community fills a gap that they may have in, you know, their kind of life in general. And having those online connections can be just as important as having the physical connections that you see with, obviously, with the coronavirus being so prevalent at the moment. A lot of people have been talking about how important it is you know particularly if you are self-isolating to make sure that you do connect with other people so whether it be through you know skyping somebody or whatsapping them or whatever just kind of reaching out and having that conversation so that they can provide support because I don't think we were built to, to do everything on our own. No, I think that's really important. And speaking of that, I actually just received a message from a local community group where it was offering support to anyone who was affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Um, oh. And it was listing that if you need help or if you can offer any help, that they were taking names and listing all of the things, and the ways that you can help, what they need help with. And I thought that's an amazing when, when you're part of a community that reaches out like that to, you know, we know a lot of people that don't have family around them. And if they're self-isolating and if you can offer comfort to people, and I think helping others comes under the social self-care, you know, mm -hmm. it's maintaining the community. Just when you said that, it just reminded me I received that message today and I thought it was a very timely thing. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. Plus, it feels good to help other people, too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's helping them, but you're also helping yourself at the same time. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I love that idea. So, Deb, speaking of community, do you have anything to add to that? Well, what I was thinking is um, just to remember to check in with if you have an elderly person in a senior's home. I know some right now are on lockdown. So to definitely check in with them and to, you know, make sure they're okay. And because as we know, loneliness is, is a big deal for them. And I can imagine at this time, it, it's that much worse. Yeah. That's right. I know they're not accepting visitors, but I'm wondering if they're accepting care packages or just cards or something like that. Do you know, Deb? I don't know. I guess it is something to check, but it's a great idea you know, to do something like that. I saw something today and it was somebody was talking about how they'd been giving their mum a tutorial on Facebook and things like that, just that she could stay connected. Oh, so, yeah, if you've idea. got an elderly person in your life, then, you know, give them the tools they need to be able to connect with the outside world. Because, like you say, they may be already very, very isolated and this isn't going to help. No, those are great ideas. 
speaking of that, my husband, his company has made everybody work from home as of tomorrow. Good. So I think we're going to be finding more and more of that as we go along. And then somebody was actually making the point that, you know, once we've all got used to this working from home, how are they going to get us back into the offices? (laughs) Yes. I think things are going to change by the day. And that's why I think this subject is really, really important, because we really do have to take care of ourselves. Do you have anything else to say? Look after yourself and each other. In this time of uncertainty, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed and stressed. The unknown can be really difficult for some people, and it can be incredibly harmful to your mental and emotional health. So please take care of yourself, look after each other, and as our Calgary mayor just said, clean hands, clear heads, and open hearts. So until next time, bye for now. Bye. Bye. Deb, that was a very sad (laughs) bye. Before you go, we legally have to tell you that all the opinions and information we share on this podcast is based on our own personal experiences and should never be taken as professional advice. We may sometimes sound like we know what we're talking about, but the Taming Crazy podcast is for entertainment purposes only, so please consult with a qualified professional for any and all health advice. Thanks for listening. Bye.